from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose leaf and common broken leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay. And the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on, like, Instagram. Check it out. Uh, They've got some really good summer deals. And check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. It's me, Amy. Just for t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we've got some shelf curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon. Get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, T.B. Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. So, everyone, I, I don't know if you've known this or not, but ballots are in. Uh, like weeks ago, 
but it's cats, so they didn't tell us anything about anything. But um, there's there's a there's a new cat president for North America, and Dave, your your barn is the new cat White House, so you're gonna have cats from all over the country showing up. Just to let you know. They're already here. Oh, jeez. Okay. I swear that these cats have like little dark glasses and little little things in their ears, and they're like the cat secret service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I hear there's uh, Henry Kissinger's cats uh, hanging out there too these days. Yeah, so. uh, But, yeah, what you're going to do, the fate of cat democracies hangs in the balance. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, no, no. Um, there's there's new shirts available at uh, Oblivion's and probably in our shop in the next few weeks that um, I know the cat president. So yeah. check those shirts out. They'll, they'll be they'll be cat president shirts. So you know, there, there there's a t-shirts of a, a litter box that says Thomas the cat president pooped here. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, there's also cat president shirts of. Uh, old uh, Yankee Doodle and Thomas hanging out together uh, in Oblivion's just kind of, you know, it's, you got to take the public shot with the old president if you're the new president. So anyway, uh, hey, uh, what are we talking about this week besides cat presidents, Dave? So we are talking about cat presidents. Yeah. You know. And we are also talking, in the middle, we have a special guest I was really excited to get back on the show, uh, Chris McMillan. Oh, Kilty uh, McKilterson. Yes, yes. <laughs> For those who haven't seen, met him, and, and Chris is listening to this, and so I think you are a very masculine person. Oh, yeah. But he often yeah. wears kilts. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of his signature thing. It's generally how I spot him. It's like, oh, hey. There's, there's Chris. He's, he's got, he's, he's, he's a tall, tall, thin guy with a kilt on. Yes, and he is a uh, blog, uh, the Shadow Over Portland, which oh, covers yeah. strange things and weird things. Definitely, pretty much the entire Pacific Northwest, even into Canada. Yeah, and uh, he's been doing it forever, I think. <laughs> well, he is also. And he would not like me to use this word, but I think so. He is an expert on the old black and white horror movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's great to talk to about this stuff for sure. I, I'm, I, I, I've been wanting him to be on the show forever, and I'm glad we have him. And so he and I yeah. are talking about the new MCU uh, special. Oh, cool. Werewolf by Night. Ooh, that was a good one. I enjoyed that one personally. He, yes, and now one thing I didn't realize yeah. until it came out. Sure. But one of the main characters in the the MCU mm-hmm. special Werewolf by Night is Elsa Bloodstone. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, who've and who've you've talked missed about at the time here? I said it, I thought it was only three months ago, but six months ago I looked it back in our back catalog. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I had to cover the middle part for some reason by myself, and I did an entire section on Elsa Bloodstone. Yeah, no, no, I was, I was, I was uh, telling Sarah while we were watching it the other night. I was like, "Hey, 
I know about Elsa Bloodstone. Dave talked about her. And Sarah's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, this isn't like some brand new character. This is an established Marvel character. Oh, this is cool. Since 2001. Yeah, yeah. And then Sarah's like, what's that thing? And I'm like, that's man thing. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, it's man thing. Ted. Ted, he likes to be called Ted. Yeah, I would too. Yes. (laughs) Anyhow, so yeah, um, we're talking about, uh, besides talking to Chris McMillan, we're also talking about traps and poisons in Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, what are are we talking about in the very beginning? We're talking about uh, uh, Charlie Kelly in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia's character Green Man. Yes, or, well, a couple versions of, okay. of Green Man. Okay. As well as the God of the Bloody Tongue. Oh, all right. So uh, the Gene Green Man, Simmons. Of is, oh, Gene sorry. Simmons and Charlie Day we're going to yes. be talking about today. The Green Man, of course, is a, a mainstay in Celtic mythology. Oh, okay. So okay, that Green Man. T- that Green Man, okay. Yeah, so it pops up a couple times in the mythos, and and I, even I was a little bit confused. Sure. But did you know that there is in the city of Portland, right where Ground Control is? Oh yeah. I think that's Cooch. Yeah, is it Cooch Street or there? Yeah, it's Cooch. Cooch, uh, the Green Man of Portland. Yes. Yeah. Which I've, is I've seen a it. three-dimensional comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically statues that have. Our art, but it meant to be read as if it was a comic book. Yeah. Uh, by um, uh, artist uh, uh, Dan uh, Daniel Durfer. Okay. Uh, who who did write a companion comic book? Oh, that's cool. And there are these, and again, I think this is almost Lovecraftian. It's definitely Portlandian. Oh yeah, yeah. It's this. You go to these different pillars, and it tells you the story of gr- the Green Man of Portland. Yeah. And you are supposed to sort of be the main character. Ooh. And you get shot by the magic Green Man of Portland's arrow and basically trip your gills out. Whoa. But it talks about you see the plants growing out and everything. Uh-huh. And you, it, it basically it tells you the story of you, the reader, yeah. having a hallucinogenic trip uh, while experiencing supernatural events in portland oh well i was recently in portland sarah and i drove up to portland uh to visit family and we also went to uh dan and um oh goodness uh dan and louise oyster bar on second oh it's between like uh it's on ankeny but it's also anyway yeah, it's it's kind of confusing where it's at. It's also right where the old Church of Elvis used to be next mm. to. But, like, this place has been there since 1907 at least. That's when it's, like, 
it was officially in a restaurant as opposed to just a place where people sold fish. (laughs) So it's one of these places that smells like old Portland. It smells like old wood. It has stuff hanging on the walls where you can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, those those are clipper ships from, uh, yeah, when – you know, pictures of Portland with uh, clipper ships and tall ships and all all kinds of great stuff like that. And, oh, man, um, I do not like seafood unless it is ultra fresh. And Dan and Louie's Oyster Bar, this is not an ad for them. I, you know, it's like I do not get seafood at Oblivion's. I love Oblivion's, but I know it comes out of a freezer. But this place, I know it came from the uh, seafood uh, distributor across the street. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Um, if, if you're in Portland at any point in time, check out Dan and Louie's oyster bar. It's amazing. And it's been there forever. It's owned by like five generations of Portlanders. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool salty place, which, you know, uh, if you go there on the weekends, it's full of college students. If you go there on like a Monday, it's like, old folks like me and my partner but yeah no anyway i had a lot of fun it was super good i highly recommend it check it out there's a fly in the studio and i just smashed it anyway um how how, how were things on the farm besides having a a cat for president they're going uh, pretty well yeah yeah Uh, we're getting ready just getting used to the rain okay all right so like I said, besides Portland having a green god, yeah, or a green man, yeah, there's green man in mythos. But I kind of made a mistake. Okay. Right now, my mother is listening to this and going, "Finally, he admitted it." <laughs> um, so when I was getting, I was thinking that this was the green god. Okay. Okay. And the green god is—it's very similar. Yeah. But the green god is an outer god, not necessarily associated with Nanothetep. Yeah. Um, and it was written by, uh, dare I say, friend of the show who's been on, Ramsey Campbell. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and he created this in 1995. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, that's only like five, six years ago. No, it's a 27-year-old freaking story. Sure, sure. Uh, and it first appears in The Horror of the Warren Down. Oh, okay. And which is one of his uh, uh, Severn Valley stories. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and the Green God and the Green Man are pretty kind of the similar. They're they're both made out sort of vegetable matter. Yeah. Um, the Green Man was, as near as I can tell, created for a Call of Cthulhu uh, Chaosium adventure called um eyes for the blind okay now uh, um oh sure yeah i was just gonna say is there a possibility that the people at chaosium decided to make uh the green god green man and a avatar of narlethotep to avoid copyright well i i don't think so okay okay and, and this is why <laughs> why this is why Campbell worked very closely with him. Okay. okay. There's an entire uh, Severn Valley uh, Call of Cthulhu game. Sure. I mean, supplement called uh, Goatwood and 
other not, strangeness no. or yeah yeah yeah, yeah uh, other less pleasant places yeah, yeah. or something um so as near as i can tell and i because uh, uh, i got confused and went down the wrong rabbit hole no problem um but as i believe there's stats for both of them oh that's cool um and though uh uh, Eyes for the Blind was actually the name, and this may or may not be a coincidence, mm-hmm. but of the uh, English horror writer uh, Frederick uh, Cowley, or oh, Cowles, okay. uh, wrote uh, Eyes for the Blind. Huh. But it's a different story. Oh. Uh, and that, although that kind of fits into the mythos, yeah, uh, it's a rather short story. Um, it basically about a a um a new a we would call him new but back a spiritualist mm-hmm, back then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who gets possessed by a ghost uh, and is the ghost of a, a mass murderer of blind people uh, and it literally it changes the color of his eyes when he's possessed oh wow that's and, cool. and it's a decent horror story yeah old story. Maybe even weird story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not ever, I think, classified as a um, uh, a mythos story. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but it fits. It fits. In fact, it reminds me very much of uh, the evil clergyman. Ooh. Uh, which is actually, I think, a rather underrated Lovecraft story. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay, the writers for Chaosium, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when they created the scenario, uh, Eyes for the Blind. Yeah. I, I maybe I thought it was a cool name. Came up with it separately. I couldn't find any. I couldn't even find where I could get that scenario. Okay. The only thing online I found was somebody had played it, and wrote up there what happened. Uh, and I'm assuming that it was written for the Victorian age because this write-up has it in 1897. Okay. They could have changed it for the 20s, moved it back, or my, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in that, and spoiler alert, I guess, from what they're saying, is that the investigators basically break into uh, this church or this cultist, you know, basement, and they find the green god, and they they knocked out the the, the cultist, and he got like ends up getting sacrificed to his own god accidentally. Yeah. And this same thing, plant man comes up and basically answers all their questions as as an oracle. Okay. Uh, and then they uh, burn the whole thing down. Okay. All now right. I don't know if that was inspired. I suspect it was probably following the chaosium adventure it would also make sense if it's under their um their their cthulhu by gaslight maybe why i'm not finding it when i'm looking for it uh uh-huh. yeah yeah no there's there's been a fair bit of uh cthulhu by gaslight but i'm also thinking of like some much older uh chaosium stuff that was kind of uh co-published by other companies um like i want to say like world of wonder but it's not world of wonder it's something else um i'm i'm thinking about like uh the cover has like a a troll or a gug or something like that jumping on a cliff of another anyway 
Um, there's like a skull mountain. It's it's mm. it's it's old stuff, but um, oh man, I have a copy of that somewhere. I have like a bunch of really really old Chaosium stuff yeah. that I bought for like almost nothing a billion years ago. But yeah, it is now pretty. Probably pretty valuable. Oh yeah, yeah. No, even my like D twenty Cthulhu book, people are like, that's worth a hundred something dollars. And I'm like, not the condition I have it in. It's like yeah. a shop worn copy at this point. But yeah. Um Yeah, yeah. So the Green Man, I was I was also gonna mention that like Green Man, you have like uh Charlie Kelly on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who is kind of like a totem of green man he's he's this agent of chaos he's he's in a full green suit and he is 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 just like there for it he's he's there for whatever's going on it's it's uh, a grown man who's drank at a huge amount of beer possibly laced with lsd who mm. is then in a full green body suit and just there to support his friends and his allies and uh, flaunt his awesomeness in front of his enemies. And uh, I don't really think that fits with anything, but hey, if you want to mess with your uh, people, want to throw out a red herring, if you're starting to use Green Man, why why not throw out a, a, a village idiot dressed in and painted green for some reason? Anyway, why not? Why not? I mean, you, you can use use that kind of red herring of 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 like someone who's like, oh yeah, we know a green man, all right. Let's let's show you. And it could even be someone who's like they're quote unquote green behind the ears, uh, you know, um, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, a greenhorn, whatnot. But yeah. Um, what else we got? We got Cult of the Blood. Well, then we've got, and this is one that I can't do too much research on. Uh-huh. Because it, as near as I can tell, originated in uh, Mask of Narlahotep. Yes, Narlahotep, yes. Yeah. And that, which is an adventure that I'm like 25% through. Okay. But that's the one right now... If you ask people to vision Narlothotep, yes, they're going to have basically two main views in their mind. One is kind of like a buffed-out pharaoh from you know the prose poem. Sure. The other is the god of the bloody tongue, which yeah, is that big monster with claws and tongue. Uh huh. Uh huh. And everything that I've ever come across is that that was originated in the Chaosium game. Yep, masks of Narlethotep, of course. And, yeah, and then it's carried on in a couple of other game uh, yeah. scenarios well, afterwards. Well, but yeah, that, that's where it was originally. If you need to plug your ears for a little bit, I'll talk about the God of the Bloody Tongue for a moment. Okay, you go ahead and talk about this, and I'll play ignorance in my. Okay, so originally a Kenyan god for rituals of the cult of the Bloody Tongue, Narlethotep. Here takes form of a huge monster with a large red tentacle where a face should be. Uh, this call primarily consists of Kenyans, and its center is the Mountain of the Black Wind. The Avatar also may have been inspiration for Kuwail, 
a important Mayan god. Uh, this form is also the Howler in the Darkness. So, um, yeah. And that's, that's from, um, you know, Masks of Narlethotep. Okay, Dave, you can start listening again. Okay. All right. So, yeah, yeah. that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, when people think about Narlethotep, when people think, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's generally like the, uh, the, uh, I don't know. Um, I generally think of like the faceless god, like the uh, Sphinx with like the blank face that, you know, if you stare into it, you're going to see the cosmos. I think of like, um, like a pharaoh. The ver- the, yeah, the, the, yeah, as in the pro- prose poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there's a few other ones that I think of, but we're not going to talk about them right now because that's other episodes. Yes. So, all right, we're going to talk to Chris McMillan. Uh, Chris, I apologize for calling you uh, Kilty McKilterson earlier. I meant no disrespect, but, um, you know, I, 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 I always associate you with a kilt and I could be like, oh, hey, I know that guy. That's 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 Chris McMillan. Anyway, uh, so on with the interview. So cue that music. So once again, we are at the part of the show where I'm not talking to myself and I'm not talking to DB, but I'm actually talking to another human being. And I am excited because it's been a while since I've gotten a chance to talk uh, with uh, Chris McMillan, but I'm also really excited about what we're going to talk about. Uh, Chris, it's been a while since you've been on the show, so maybe if you could uh, introduce yourself to our audience. Oh, sure. Um, thanks for having me on, by the way. Um, yeah, my name's uh, Chris McMillan. I'm the writer and publisher of the site The Shadow Over Portland, where I do occasional reviews, trying to get more into that again, um, opinion pieces. But I also do list all the horror, sci-fi, and fantasy events that I can find happening within the Pacific Northwest. That includes, like, um, British Columbia, Idaho, Port, um, Vancouver, what am I saying? <laughs> Washington and Oregon. Um, so I cover the Pacific Northwest with as much as I can find, particularly um, I don't focus on like the big theaters. It's getting kind of weird right now on the website because I'm trying to promote, you know, I, I always like promoting independent theaters because they would sure. always show the interesting stuff, you know, not the blockbusters, but due to the age of streaming, they're starting to do that. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to, I've got some plans uh, in mind to change up a few things next year, get the, get the website back on track, but you can find it at um, shadowoverportland.blogspot.com. Yeah. An ec- excellent resource. Just an amazing resource. Thank so, you. Oh, you're welcome. So we're going to talk about something else that I think is amazing. And mm-hmm. that is the Disney Plus MCU special, 
The Werewolf by Night that came out about what, about two weeks ago? I think so, yeah. It was, it, yeah, about two weeks. Yeah, right about. Um, and I guess Disney's kind of planning on doing these specials. Um, yeah, throughout. I heard. Yeah, I heard. Uh, well, this, this, I heard, I saw this online, and as we all know, everything on the internet is true. Um, but uh, apparently, Nova's getting uh, going to be the next Marvel special presentation. Yeah, and I, I heard that yeah, there was going to be like a a um, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, kind of making fun of the uh, Star Wars special. Oh, that ought to be interesting. I knew they were doing a holiday special. I didn't know it was going to be let's have let's riff on um, on the Star well, at, Wars special. At least on the title, I, I I don't know exactly where it's going. Oh, okay. But, but I have to say. The part that made my heart sort of just jump out and, and leap, because you and I are not to give out any details, we're ballpark the same age-ish. Yeah. When it started that special, in the back of my mind, it reminded me of the CBS special presentation that, you know, right before they yep. had the TV that, in the 70s and the 80s. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that. And I, that was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, oh, my God. That looks like something you'd see on CBS. It, yep. was, it was perfect. Uh, I would almost say not quite, maybe, but very close. I think the whole show was perfect. Oh yeah, no, I mean there, I, I, I've seen it like what four or five times now. Oh, you yeah. know, and if it wasn't for the fact that I know Disney is not going to uh, release this on DVD or Blu-ray, I'm really upset about that because I would buy a copy in a heartbeat. Yeah. to add to my collection. I thought this was just so well done. Just so I got perfect. I got another question for you before we jump in. Okay. So it's what? It's got a runtime of about what, 51 minutes or so? Uh, what something you like that. Too short, too long, or just right? You know, for what for what they were doing, I think it was just right. I think it was if if it if it had gone faster, we would, you know, it just wouldn't have worked. And, or, you know, if the pace was faster and the runtime was shorter, it wouldn't have worked. Um, but if it was longer, it just would have dragged. I mean, this was just a, hey, let's go do this and then get out. We're not trying to make any, you know, I mean, there is the obvious connection early on in the credit, um, the, um, the prologue sequence that sets up that, yeah, this is, this is the same world as the Avengers that the Avengers live in. This is just something that they don't know about or aren't dealing with right now. Um, you know, so they weren't trying to set anything up. They were just trying to do a special and this was a perfect runtime. Was it? I thought it was closer to 42 minutes. Let me take a look here. You're, you're uh, probably right. Well, let me, well, I can find out here because I'm on IMDB's page uh, for it. It just, uh, yeah. My, uh, I need to get a new, I need to get a new iPad. This thing is so slow. Um, hang on, here we go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm. Oh, no, you were right. 52 minutes. It, it's just, it goes so fast because it doesn't really let up. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and you're right. I think, it, I mean, maybe it could have gone five or 10 minutes longer, but anything else would have been padding. And anything yeah. less would have been shortchanging. 
Yeah, no, Les would have been shortchanging, and I think there would have been, yeah, a bit too much padding. I think it was just at the perfect runtime. Um, you know, it just, and it's almost at the same length as TV shows were back then for an hour long. Because, yeah. you know, commercials weren't quite as, um, you didn't have as many as you do now, which has cut the runtime of an hour-long TV yeah. show to like 20 minutes. They used to be closer to an hour, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, you watch one of the old Outer Limits on DVD or something, and they're almost an hour long. You know, there were just weren't as many commercials. Exactly. So this was this seemed to be almost the perfect, um, the sweet spot as far as a runtime goes. Yeah. So, um, what are some of your impressions? I really enjoyed it. I, I really appreciated the fact that uh, the director, uh, Michael. Oh gosh, I am not going to get his name right. That's <laughs> um, okay. I'm I'm notorious for mispronouncing things. Yeah, Gaiachino, I want to say, but uh, I, I, if I'm wrong, you're, you're closer than I would have. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But uh, the director obviously knew. His horror stuff. I mean, there are so many nods to so much in there that it's it's it. You know, you, you realize that this guy actually knew what he wanted to do with the special, uh, knew the things he wanted to put in it, knew the the you know little tropes he wanted to add, and did a perfect job. Mixed it well. Yeah. Now, my understanding is that this is the first movie he's directed. Well, he directed a couple of. Sh- Shorts cool. for Marvel, I think. Yeah. But yeah, he mostly did. Well, he also did the soundtrack for this um, because he is mostly known as a composer. But man, if this guy can direct and, that and, well. And, and maybe there, cause, yeah, because he also did the music for Up. Mm-hmm. And, and so maybe, maybe there's something that connects the same type of mind that is good at composing music is also good at composing um movies that could be i mean he's obviously got a you know a very good visual flair uh or a visual style um worked well with the, the you know the entire crew and i mean you know for a first time you know non-short film he he did really well uh, agreed and he, you can tell that he loves old movies mm-hmm. but more than that he respects old movies because yeah. sometimes if you love something too much, maybe you're not the best person to be in charge of something based on that. But yeah, but I, got, I, I, I got a little, I got a, not only love, but I got a feeling he respected them. Yeah. I, I, I'll agree with you too. And I can think of several films that were done by people who really loved the original work, but they just kind of, they shouldn't have done the remake. <laughs> You know, Um, or they shouldn't have been trying to emulate that style. Um, I'm looking at you, Gus Van Sant. (laughs) I I was thinking King Kong. Ah, okay. The 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 Peter Jackson remake. I mean, you could tell he loved that that loves that movie, but he you know there are pacing issues that the original Kong never had. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you especially about this is because you know quite a bit about the old monster movies, the the black and white movies. Mm -hmm. What was your feeling 
coming from uh, coming from a you know a, a a monster movie fan. What was your what did you, you get out of it? Um, it it like I said, it was just a big love letter to the old '30s and '40s. You know, Universal monster, Universal style monster features. I mean, from you know, getting past the um, uh, the Marvel's special presentation, you know, intro, the intro to the to Werewolf by Night proper. I mean, that's the title cards just look so much like um, a Universal title card. You know, once you get past the Marvel intro, that kind of gets slashed up and turns black and white and a really and the music changes you know and then the music and the uh, prologue all just had that sort of old you know universal horror feel to it yeah and you know the 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 set design beautiful i mean well the opening part where they're all gathering for the pre-hunt yeah uh, that set design that I mean, I'm sure a lot of it was green screen, but it looks so good um in black and white. It it knew what it was aiming for. So uh, he really he really got the the feel of those classic films down, I think. To the color, the pacing. Mm-hmm. E- even those, I guess they call them Q marks or cigarette burns that they mm-hmm. put, put the, the reels. Oh yeah, I, I thought that I was brilliant. Jumped off my feet when I saw that. Well, and he does it twice. Yep. <laughs> and it just works. You're like, oh, the rail's changing. Oh, geez, I can't believe he put that in there. You know, I mean, that was that was perfect. Now, um, hmm. Oh, now I gotta, uh, and I, I'm there. I mean, I'm so used to on the show, you know, talking about 90 year old short stories or something. So I'm not really worried. Uh, there will be maybe some spoilers, especially I've got a question about this scene that I want your impression on. Okay. So, we, yeah. So we are warning about spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> cool. The transformation uh, scene where it's focusing on Elsa and you see Jack's shadow. Mm-hmm. What, what, I, what were your feeling on that? I really appreciated that. I mean, they started out with the CGI look, you know, where the hand starts to change. So you know the transformation's going on. But then to focus more on her as Jack's shadow is coming in and out of camera range in different, you know, uh, stages of the transformation was really, I thought, a great way to do it for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, CGI transformations just don't look good um they did have practical effects uh, people can be there but running a full transformation scene like that is going to be expensive and it's just going to look like every other werewolf transformation that has been done (coughs) since uh the howling and american werewolf in london so doing something different like that really set it off Focusing on Elsa reacting to Jack's transformation really worked well because the actress, oh, what is her name? Um, Laura Donnelly. Yeah, she nailed that scene. She nailed that scene perfectly. And it also didn't let you know what the werewolf was going to look like right away, which was great, too. And my understanding is that shadow was an actual shadow, the whole thing. It wasn't CGI'd in. 
That's what I've heard too. I mean, it it was all practical. Um, they just would have you know different actors, I guess, in different stages of the makeup jump up and act yeah. the shadow out, and then go away, and then another one show up. Which you know, I mean, made for a really you know a really good scene. It it was it was beautiful. It was made. that's what it was. It was beautiful. Now, ironically enough. I didn't realize this show was coming in until like two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But three months ago or so, DB got COVID. And oh. that that put me in charge. So uh-huh. I talked about whatever the heck I wanted. And I did a whole segment, not knowing this show was coming, on one of my favorite C-list C um, Marvel superheroines, Elsa Bloodstone. So... And I'll see if I have DB go back and we'll put it on the notes. But I did an entire, you know, 15, 20 minute segment on Elsa Bloodstone. Wow. And because I and I like I said, I didn't know this show was coming out. So mm-hmm. I got a little bit of history on her. Of yeah. Course, no, I, I, I mean, oh. I, didn't, I, I don't know much about her. I did a little bit of reading. I know the look of her character is very different, not as comic booky as you know the the comic book elsa but that's and, about it. it and it was a i mean when you finally see the color i think it was a very dramatic change not to give mm-hmm. a red hair yeah but, and yeah i could see that but the elsa bloodstone in the comics isn't what she always looked like so she was created in 2001 when uh marvel was going back through and trying to maybe get back into some more monster storylines. And she was basically a Buffy the Vampire Slayer clone. She was blonde. She got put in these little skimpy clothing, which she complained about, but she had to do it to attract the monsters. And then, (laughs) and then one of my favorite ever, ever comic book uh, titles in 2006, was next wave. So Warren Ellis basically took her three other obscure characters and made a new one, and she com- he completely rewrote her. Uh-huh. So the original one, she had never met her father. Uh, she went from going from Boston to uh, that English accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, she became an expert in firearms and has this sort of stiff upper lip, but kind of come on, you guys are going to make me do this kind of approach Uh where where she wasn't the leader, but she was kind of the snarky second in command. And if I had one, one thing that I thought the show missed and it would have been pandering, but there's a very famous scene in next wave where she just goes to town on this like killer robotic vampire koala with a shovel. And I was so hoping that they would give tribute to that, that when she was in the garden, she would beat someone up with a shovel, but but they didn't. Yeah, well, um, but uh, killer robot co- vampiric koala? Yeah, that, that welcome to Next Wave. Wow. Welcome that, to Next Wave. I'm glad they, well, I, I could see one in the shovel in there, but I think it was a wise idea to leave out the... <laughs> Vampiric robotic koala. Yeah, probably would, but I would like to have seen that. And, and since then, she's kind of been back up. In fact, 
she was the sort of the foil love interest for Deadpool for a while. Oh, really? And, um, and uh, yeah, because uh, Deadpool became uh, the king of the monsters for a little bit. Huh. He killed the king of the monsters, and so all of a sudden he became the king of the monster uh, in a couple of arcs. Uh, she, she's appeared in quite a few things as sort of supporting character. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, ever since, ever since, you know, uh, Next Wave, I have just loved her. Mm-hmm. And so her character in the comics is obviously much different than yeah, what was on Yeah, I think they did good at the spirit. So mm-hmm. she, she's very, um, and Next Wave was an intentional spoof. So it's a little oh. bit different. Uh-huh. Um, and But then now, but I, I think that they did the best they could have. I think they did better than they could have if they tried to say too, um, mm-hmm. too okay. faithful. Yeah. Oh. So, hmm, that's interesting. Did you ever, re- um, we talked about the transformation. What did you think of the actual werewolf? Um, my first thought is, is I wasn't, I, I, for a second there, I was going, hmm, you know, I just don't like that type of werewolf. And then it dawned on me, well, wait a minute, it's imitating, you know, the wolfman. What else would you do? Well, I uh, thought it was, yeah, I, I actually saw it and went, oh my God, that's werewolf of London right there. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not necessarily you know the classic Lon Chaney Wolfman but more Henry Hull's Wolfman from the from uh, uh, um, um, Werewolf of London because if you notice in that movie um I don't know if you've you know I don't know if you've seen it or not but not 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 in three decades yeah but they kept his face pretty recognizable unlike in in the Chaney movie where they covered him full of yak hair and such. No, um, the Jack's werewolf looked, and I just saw it, and I went, wow, that's just like Henry Hole in Werewolf of London. That's a great idea, because it gives the actor more of a chance to emote whatever character he can bring, you know, is happy. Because there's a couple of scenes where the werewolf isn't just snarling and ripping people apart, and... Not having that much makeup on him on on the actor gave him a chance to come through for that to come through. Uh, absolutely, and no, uh, no, I I agree with you. I think that was a, a smart idea. It just took me a couple seconds to get on board. Yeah, yeah, but I know. Once I did. Yeah, I know. I was reading a couple of comments online that you know, well, that doesn't look like the where the wolf man. You know, it's like, well, it's not supposed to. It's supposed to look like Werewolf of London. Um, so, yeah, I saw that, and I just was like, oh, he, you know, nice job. But then, of course, he had probably, I think, K&B did the effects most likely on, the, for the Wolfman as well. So, you know, those guys are big monster fans. Hey, absolutely. So, and, yeah, Ted. I love Ted. Ab- absolutely. So, let's talk a little bit about Man-Thing, a.k.a. <laughs> Ted. I I was I was yeah, I liked it. I I'm glad they went the way they did with KNB building a mechanical version of Man Thing and then then using CGI to help, you know, augment it. Perfect way to go. Um gives the actors a lot more to work with. 
Um, and you know, it, 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 it gives man thing a little more, you know, it, it looks like it's really there because it is. <laughs> so one of the things, and I'm, I'm pretty sure kind of connects man thing as well as Jack was, I believe they were both at least partly created by Roy Thomas. Oh, that that's possible. Yeah, I know Roy Thomas created Werewolf at Night, uh, Werewolf by Night, but I'm not. I, I don't know about Man Thing. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. Get so that far in my research. Stan, <laughs> yeah, he and Stan Lee and, and uh, a couple of other people uh, created it, and I don't know how active because you know Roy Thomas at this time was Stanley's number two in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Stanley would say, do it, and Roy Thomas would do it. And, and I think in a lot of ways he's underrated, but he's most famous for um, Conan, of course. The Conan oh. books. Um, mm-hmm. he, he basically, yeah, that was his baby to get started. And so to, to be part of that in the 70s, he basically immersed himself in the writings of Robert E. Howard and Lovecraft. So mm-hmm. I, I, you definitely get, in fact, my sister was watching it. She goes, you know, that looks more like Cthulhu than a plant. But so I, I, I really think that there are, I mean, he at the time was immersing himself and it was 71, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that one of the few times that Marvel beats DC because um, it's like a couple months out before Swamp Thing. Ah, so so Man Thing came out first. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure by a couple months. Oh wow! Um, but you gotta, right there at the same time. Yeah, you got to wonder if they just heard about it and said, "Well, we need our own Swamp Monster." You know, who knows? So, so, so I wouldn't put it past it because I heard that basically, you know despite this official corporate, uh, I mean, corporate rivalry, Mm -hmm. they all got together and had beers and told everybody what they were doing. (laughs) Okay, well, that'll do it. (laughs) I did like the fact that they kept the man thing's ability, but it seems to me at this point he can turn that on and off. And I always thought in the comics he couldn't. If he touched someone who was afraid, they'd burst in flames. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I think you are correct, and I kind of get to the, the I mean, they kind of stress the fear thing, you know, when, when uh, Jack was telling uh, Elsa, you know, don't be afraid. Uh-huh. But, but I, I think you're correct on that. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, if we, if, if they didn't do that, Jack would have been, go, would have, you know, had issues when Man-Thing kind of grabbed him from behind the bush. That that's true. That, that, and that's true. and they did manage to make man think very emote emote emotions through both sound and expression really yeah. well. You know, where he's coming towards Elsa after you know, when she first finds him and she he she's like, uh, Ted, you have a lovely name. <laughs> uh, his the way his his expressions just kind of become a little more friendly and inquisitive. Ah, I thought it was great. I want to see more of Jack, Ted, and Elsa. I'm, you know, 
they could do an 80s cop movie with them. Elsa's the tough, you know, commander, and Jack and Ted go out and do things, and Elsa gets involved at some point. I want to see that. Yeah, I, I, someone was telling me that they want to see uh, Elsa invite Ted and Jack into this big match and give them, the, like, their own wing or room or something, and Hey, that'd work too. You know, it's it's like um, the Avengers building, only for monster uh, hunters. Exactly. So, I'm. I mean, I don't know anything official. I think it got. I think it's been pretty well received. Uh, from what I hear, yeah, it has. Um, and I mean, we got. We should mention the actor who plays Jack too, though. He was good. Yeah. Um, hang on, let me get his name up. Uh, and I know I will not get this right either. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, Yo, know, great. Uh, Garcia Bernal? Oh, yeah. gosh. I, I, yeah. No, but he was really good. I mean, when he first walks into the month, you, you know, just by his mannerism and his movements, you can tell he's not happy being there. You know, he's nervous, and we find out why, obviously. Um, you know, and the makeup they used on him to look like a, a Day of the Dead, I, I mean, um, yeah, was that... um, Deus de la Morte? I probably butchered that, too. <laughs> but looking like a skull from that, and he's like, oh, I use it to honor my ancestors. And I thought that was a nice touch, and the fact that even when he transforms into the werewolf, those markings are still there. Still there. Yeah, and you get the idea that, you know, I mean, we don't get much backstory on any of these characters, um, but we do get enough of their motivation that we understand why they're there. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's obvious by the end of it, you know that Jack's curse is why he's, hunting monsters um you know you know elsa was perfect as this you know who did away you know walked away from her father and then is coming back for what she feels is rightfully hers exactly um, you know i yeah i think too much backstory would have would have hampered it i mean it because this was just you know this is like this is like the original king kong this is a let's go in let's do this and we're done we're yeah. not stopping and I think it worked. You know, I mean, we had that one bit in the cemetery, uh, the mausoleum, where the pace slows down. We get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of back and forth between Elsa and Jack. And then it's yeah. boom, right back to it. Yep. Exactly. And they did not slow down. It was great. Yeah. So, so neither one of us have any, you know, contacts that I'm aware of with Marvel or Disney. Oh no! Where, nope. where would you like to where would you like to see them do with these three? Um, I would like to see them. Honestly, I'd like to see them hold off on bringing these three back right away. Okay. Do a few more because they've got other, you know. Well, they've got Blade, obviously, um, but they've got Ghost Rider uh, for a little bit. They've got um, oh gosh, there was that Midnight Sun. Midnight Suns. Yeah, you know they've got them. They've got the um, Terror Inc. guy. I don't yeah. know if they could ever make that guy work, but uh, maybe. Um, but you know, do some of their other monsters, and then 
you know, do what they did with the Avengers. Get the other monsters out there. Find out which ones are going to work well with each other and then bring them all together for a big monster rally. That's okay. what I'd like to see. Where I was thinking that they might make an appearance mm-hmm. is, is season two of Moon Knight. Ah, that's true. Because didn't Moonlight, uh, wasn't he introduced in Werewolf by Night? You know what? I think that they were, if not, or Marvel Presents together. Yeah. I think they, I think he may have been. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not too up on comic history, but I really think that, yeah, I think they introduced Moon Knight in one of the Werewolf by Night, uh, part of the, in a couple issues of Werewolf by Night. At least that's my vague recollection of it. You know, but yeah, that I, would be good. I, I, you know, even even if it was just. Uh, an episode or two. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't don't. Yeah, you know, th- there's no sense in saturating the market with the uh, with werewolf by night characters now, even though they're popular. Uh, please, Disney, Marvel, resist the temptation. Don't give us a whole lot more. Just give us a, a few little bits here and there. Yeah. Maybe maybe even a, uh, a short appearance in. Uh... Maybe if there's a, uh, oh, uh, Doctor Strange three. Oh, they could work. Oh, they could work well in that, depending on where the script goes, on where the script's going. That could be interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I one thing I did find interesting, and I found it mentioned several times. The director of this picture really thought he was going to be directing a TV MA film. You know, but he said, well, the black and white, you know, toned down the blood. So it probably so that's why we got the TV 14. And I'm just like, I don't think you got anywhere near TV MA rating levels of violence. I mean, yes, there's the sword fight at the end. There's a couple of there's there's some gore. Yeah. Yeah. At the end. But but then you look at a TV MA like The Walking Dead and they're nowhere near that. So if if anyone's worried about that. You know, well, maybe it's just too violent for me. No, it's fine. It's fine. And you'll know if you really don't want to see something when to turn your eyes. They 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 broadcast what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. So I could talk about this subject pretty much all night, but got a just sort of our signature question I wanted to run by you. Okay. So if you could be part of any creative project, um, don't have to worry about trademarks. Don't have to be money, any media, you know, what is your dream project right now? Oh, what would my dream project be? It could be anything, right? Sure. I want to get K and B to re- to build a new Gilman suit. And I want to redo creature from black lagoon in 3d. Oh, that'd be nice. Shot yeah. for shot or new intention? Oh, no, 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 no. We're modernizing this. It'll be taking place in modern times. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, all practical, all underwater stuff. Oh, practical be, suit. That would yeah. be amazing. Mm-hmm. I think so. So, yeah. Oh, no, thank you. So we definitely need to have you on the show again soon. 
But uh, where can people uh, find uh, the Shadow Over Portland? Well, I mean, if um, you'll find it at shadowoverportland.blogspot.com. And if you forget that, if you just Google the Shadow Over Portland, um, pretty much the only one on the list. <laughs> so either way, you can find it. Um, you can also find um, um, if you're following um, like Monster Kid Radio and um, uh, B Movie Cast, you'll find it on Facebook. I post every time I put something out. I am working on a review of Werewolf by Night. Hopefully, it will be coming out about the same time this does. Oh, so, excellent! Yeah, we'll definitely we'll make sure that uh, if it's out, we'll provide a link for it. Okay, I'll let you know. Uh, depends on how the day job goes, because there, yeah. you know, that get that that's taking up a big chunk of time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me talk with someone about this. Because, you know, we were talking earlier and it's like, who do you talk to? Uh, you know, I the no one at work watches this sort of stuff. So I don't have anyone to talk to. So it was great to be able to, you know, just talk with someone who really enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, I talked to the goats about it, but uh, they don't answer. <laughs> oh, well. Well, if they ever do, run. Hey, that that was excellent. Thank you so much. Oh, sure. Um, my pleasure. Thanks again. Yeah. Are, so, are we so, still? Re oh, I I just haven't turned it off yet. Oh, okay. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Clary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glare. Prepare for a spine tingling, nerve shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here, your host. Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and The Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe, and remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even 
I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey, Dave, you know what I'm drinking these days? No! What are you drinking? I am drinking copper cow coffee, which is, hey, much better than a bronze bowl, if, you know, um, you know anything about, um, well... I don't. Torture. Um... And satanic cults. Uh, but no, Copper Cow Coffee is a Vietnamese coffee pour-over. Uh, they've got beans. They've got definitely oh, some amazing flavors. I've really been enjoying some rosemary and also some rose as of late. Um, you can get it with or without cream. But hey, I like to just give the cream to Sarah, and she's like, oh my god, I have cream to like put in my terrible coffee. That's really good. It's, it's, it's like uh, uh, condensed milk in a, a little tube you can squeeze out. It's really nice. The gift to keep on giving? Definitely, definitely. I get the coffee, she gets the cream. It's, it's, it's pretty fancy, if you ask me. Anyway. Okay. Copper Cow Coffee, uh, check the show notes to get yourself a discount. Mm-hmm. And also, hey, um, there's other stuff that we uh, talk about and that we get money from if you check it out. If you check out the show notes, we've also got the t-shirt store. We've got a PayPal if you want to just like throw us money directly. And also we've got the Patreon. So help out the show if you want. If you don't, hey, that's cool. Just keep on listening. And tell your friends. That's how you can help out if you don't feel like spending any money. All right. Um, I think there's some D&D on D&D. Oh, I can hear it right now. Hey everyone, it's me, DB, and to my virtual right, Dave. Dave, how are you doing? I am well. <laughs> There's the catchphrase. All right, buy a t-shirt, everyone. So, Dave, we're talking about traps and poisons. Um, yes. Before we get into it, do you have a favorite trap or poison? So, no. And the reason why... To me, traps and or poisons have always been kind of the icing on the cake. Yeah. You know, let's face it. Originally, and they've changed it some. Sure. You know, but originally rogues, thieves, or whatever you want to call them, were basically, they were the only ones that could spot traps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then it made sense to make them better at it, Mm -hmm. but that that others could too. Yeah. And so a lot of ways I think I use, I think most DMs use traps and or poisons as a debuffer. Okay. They're in the, they're by the door, they're at the front, they're beginning. There's something that basically whittle away your, your, um, you know, your players hit points. Sure. Uh, 
before they get too far in to, you know, the meat of the adventure, which is the monsters. All right. All right. But that's not, not how you have to do it. I think that's just how it has often been. Sure. Yeah. In the yeah. last 40 years. I, I, I agree. I agree. I personally like to mix it up a bit. And um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I, I definitely agree with that is how it has been for the last 40 plus years. Hmm. 50 years? What? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> now, I think, though, the best example. Mm-hmm. Of a dungeon with traps? Yeah. The first five minutes of Indiana Jones. And yeah. the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, and I I would be hard-pressed to find a game designer or a, G, a DM or a GM who didn't, at least in the beginning, have that in the back of their head when they were thinking of traps for a dungeon. Oh yeah. Well, if if you look at like most game designers, they wear Indiana Jones hats. Yes. I mean, this is not a joke. If you go to a gaming convention, like probably about thirty-three to 45% of your uh game designers are wearing an Indiana Jones hat, like a black Indiana Jones hat, not like if if it's Call of Cthulhu, it's a black India Jones hat because they're like not only goth but they're a mysterious adventurer, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just making fun of the people I know, and they know who they are. <laughs> yeah, the other use I think that again in the beginning at uh, least, yeah, game, game masters and DMs use traps as the last ditch protection for the treasure and we see that in the classic treasure chest sure where where you open it up and there's sleep potions that break and sleep gas or or needles in the locks Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 no um just personally i like to create wild goose chases within a dungeon like um like, have it be pretty straightforward where stuff is, but if you start setting up, like, uh, codes and stuff like that to, like, you know, make people think that they're going some secret way, that if they only use this kind of light, they can find their way to it and everything like that. But it's just, like, actually, if you just go straight through it, there's security, but it's not that hard if you just know what you're doing and you're a part of this. But if you like you know search for secret things you're going to find a secret thing and those secret things are going to end up getting you killed (laughs) as they do yeah 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 um one of my personal favorite traps and i think i've talked about this before is like high-powered magnets like high-powered magnets that like anything that's like iron iron based or anything like that any any ferrous metal you're it's just gonna get stuck to the wall and you have to have like a strength 18 to like pull it off it's 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 like one of these things it's like well what's your chain mail made out of what's 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 your plate mail made out of you know it's it's just like or you can even make it a magical magnet that makes all 
metals stick to the walls so that you can even get the bronze armor if 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 you have like a cheapskate who's like I just want to get a bronze breastplate you know or or a richy rich who uses gold oh yeah 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 the dummy who thinks that gold armor or gold plated whatever is going to be great but yeah yeah um y- you can even like make it so that like certain things of a certain density or 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 like even so much that like i don't know you could make it so so bad that the iron in your blood gets pulled out or whatever but yeah that and like repeating specter traps of some sorts have always been kind of like my my go-to for like a trap but like a a repeating specter of just like um it's just a haunted room, but it's like a room that's constantly haunted. And, you know, whoever's the, 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 the ghost or the specter or whatever just always haunts that room and always attacks people. Like, that's, that's like, it's, it's kind of like a natural, like, kind of like lands, not landscape, but like, it's, it's part of the architecture almost of the dungeon that it's just this thing that always happens. And it, it's nothing personal. It's like, the goblins or 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 the, the the watch people avoid that tower because the fact that there's an elf ghost that pushes people out of the windows or like attacks people with everything in the room it's i don't know i that's the kind of traps i like you know <laughs> and, and, and magic does magic does add an extra level oh definitely that wouldn't definitely. exist in a a non fantasy game. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. What are what are more conventional traps? I'm like looking through the SRD and it's like being like, Oh hey, what about uh animated objects traps? It's like, okay, what's that? Oh, you know, there's like an inanimate object that'll attack the player. It's like, okay, that's cool, that's cool. Um then there's the camouflage pit trap. Yeah, and, and pitfall traps have always been sort of my to-go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this collapsing roof trap, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. But it's just pretty much like you hit a tripwire and the roof collapses on you, so it's kind of like the reverse pit trap. <laughs> and, and, and that, and you want to think of things that are different because even if you sort of reskin it mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. all the traps are dex save 66 even the ones that fireball the x or other is this rolling boulder if it's all the same even though it's just reskin yeah yeah it's 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 all pretty much like 15 dexterity or 16 wisdom save for like a magic trap when a creature approaches within 10 feet of this large stone visage, it commands the creature to drink a poison, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's like, uh, the, and then there's stuff like um, the crossbow traps. Like, it's a mechanical trap that shoots people when they enter, like, a certain, like, um, like 10-foot area bound by the trigger. And you get shot for, like, four shots, 1d8 damage per hit. And, you know, you, you've got, like, a DC 16 to spot it and a DC 18 intelligence to, like, be able to dis, 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 disable it. But, yeah. No. And, and you've also got, like, magic traps, like, 
disembodied hands with chilling touch, disembodied hands with vampiric touch. And, you know, it's it's like you kind of build ideas and concepts off of this. It doesn't have to be chilling touch or vampiric touch. You can think of other touch-based attacks that it could be. Um, then you've got, like, falling nets, falling stone blocks, fire-breathing statues. And it's all just, like, kind of, like, 15 decks, 15 wisdom to, like, figure this stuff out um, or get past it. And you can kind of, like, figure out what kind of stuff you want to do. Like, oh, I want a fire-breathing statue. I want a fire-breathing suit of armor. I want a floor that shoots flames up out of it, but only if you move your chess piece wrong or if you're not playing checkers right. Or I'm going to, uh, you know, if if your lawn dart lands like this, then the giant lawn dart's gonna land on you like this. So I mean, you can you can kind of like play with this basic concept of what a trap is, and yeah, it's it's just pretty much like um, you have things that are hypnotic, but it's still you have like a wisdom save of uh, sixteen, or you know something starts talking to you or messing with you it's still a wisdom save 16 or you have a executioner statue and to get past it you need to have either a decent melee attack or a perception 16 and then there's pits where you have to have a successful intelligence or a successful wisdom or a successful whatever and there's locks and there's spikes and it's like you have to have a successful strength or a successful dexterity or successful constitution but it's all around 15 16 13 all depending on what it is like constitution stuff tends to be a little bit lower because guess what you don't want to kill off your wizards <laughs> exactly so many of the intellectual characters yeah or magical characters making a dump stat yeah 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 no no and you have like your poison needle traps for like your uh your 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 uh rogues because they might not have a good constitution but they do have a good dexterity and oh man um what are some other good uh traps you can think of so the thing that i think that has sort of changed in the game and maybe not with all players but i uh-huh. think well, is the emphasis on puzzles oh yeah and I'm not sure if that comes from video games or what, or just being for me being exposed to more different-minded GMs. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I think that puzzles in the fact that it will either activate a trap or just you're not getting past that door until you figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever, as a DM, make physical puzzles for your uh, your, your your players to solve? I have not. Okay. This is where we differ, and I have a feeling this has a lot to do with, like, playing Call of Cthulhu since, like, I was a little kid. But I love building physical puzzles for people to solve. I love creating three-dimensional puzzles in, uh, like, D&D. There's a series called Challenge of the Champions that I have loved forever. And it's, it's like... D and D, but it's like D and D Olympics, 
It's it's all kinds of crazy stuff that you have to figure out as as a crew, and your dungeon master's not going to help you. And it's just kind of like your 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 core D and D crew, your fighter, your thief, your rogue, and your wizard, um, fighter. The, okay, your uh, and fighter, thief, wizard, cleric. Uh, cleric, like solving puzzles, like ten puzzles, and like, but there's also like ten, twenty other crews trying to do that as well, and it's 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 one of these things. It's like, oh man, it's like I get to prove how awesome I am at like playing D and D, and uh, yeah, no, it's sometimes it can be a little bit humiliating. <laughs> other times it's pretty cool. But yeah, no, no. A challenge of the champions. If you can find it, uh, it was in like really old uh, dungeon magazines, and I think there's some collections of it online. But yeah, no, I always had a lot of fun with that. It's just amazing right. ideas for traps that you can like distill from it, even if you don't use <laughs> use use one. But yeah, there's some great puzzles in there as well. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's some things that are like way overpowered unless you're dealing with like a certain level of group and that's like things like uh spheres of annihilation which i don't know or like statues oh. where, where where the mouth is pretty much like a sphere of annihilation if you just yeah that i was thinking that one what was that from was that the tomb of elemental evil or no it's not the tomb of elemental evil it's the other one it's the um it's the one with Karak in it. It's, yes. Uh, and it has the false dungeon, not to spoil. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and basically, if, you know, your character, you give them, like, a warning, and if they don't back off, yeah, they're dead. Yeah, they're yeah. No yeah. save, no nothing. Yeah, no. Um, XP to level three on YouTube did a pretty good, like, this is what we did the first few times we played it, or first few times I, I, I ran it as a DM, and this mm -hmm. is how I fixed it, this is how I made it so that, um, oh man, I, I, I wish I could remember. Like, everyone who's listening is like, who cares about this is like, oh my god, you don't remember this? You guys are so dumb, don't you know even know who wrote that? And I'm like, I don't know, Zeb Cook. I'm sure Gygax wrote it originally, but yeah. it had to be rewritten for someone else to, like, play it. Um, but, yeah, no, no. Um, that that particular dungeon has, like, ridiculous traps that it's, 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 it's like Gary Gygax wrote it for people to kill off a bunch of people and that's something that gary gygax was really good at is writing uh writing modules that would kill a lot of people <laughs> yeah which despite you know them saying uh was it tomb of horrors tomb of horrors there you tomb go right horrors. there yeah um and despite them saying right you know in the book and everything don't just kill off players yeah 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 uh one of my favorite other traps is uh something we talked about i think last week which is uh oozes and that is just like having multiple gelatinous cubes uh wandering five by five by ten foot hallways <laughs> yeah or 
you know, yeah, have them come, sort of come in like a, a you know, where the, the hallways intersect, have them chase you in from all the different sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like have four of them treat it like Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also think like uh, undead, like throwing a bunch of undead into your dungeon, it's like, well, this is just to keep people from coming in from the very most bottom layer like coming in through the underground river and then coming up through the lowest dungeon it's like when people get to the lowest dungeon we don't want anyone messing around there people are there to die you know so let's just throw some undead down there and uh you know if we have to kill them to like you know throw some slop at people hey that's just the way it is we'll just make more undead i mean it's a dungeon <laughs> and one thing about the trap about traps though yeah is you don't need an ecosystem no so so you know there could have been a trap that the wizard set hundreds of years ago just mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. that even in like civil war battle sites they're still finding yeah cannonballs that could explode yeah so you know you don't have to have an ecosystem that supports explains why the lizard men are living underground or mm-hmm. you know how are the goblins eating yeah 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 um although i tend to say there's a bigger system underground even further that's full of rats or there's just rats it's it's a rat based economy <laughs> With goblins and kobolds. Now, kobolds, I feel like, like, oh, no, 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 it's, it's a silverfish-based economy. But, yeah, no, no, goblins, I'm like, it's a rat-based economy. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and which is fine. And if you can create that, so much the better. Sure, yeah. But you don't need to when you're doing traps. Oh, no, no, that's that's the great thing about traps and poison. Um and we haven't really got into, like, poisons, but it's like there's so many things you can do for, like, poisons, venoms, infections, and stuff like that, that it's, oh, man, it's, it's, like, okay, we just have to talk about one of the last traps that we kind of talked about before. The Rolling Sphere. When 20 or more pounds of pressure are placed upon this trap's pressure plate, a hidden trap door in the ceiling opens, releasing a 10-foot diameter rolling sphere of solid stone. And you need, like, a DC-15 to, uh, like, spot the trap door. Uh, or, or so, so I was playing a game about six weeks ago. Yeah. And we had this, and one of the characters had this like magic artifact that turned into a swan ball, uh-huh. uh, boat. And so she popped out the swan boat, and the ball sort of hit the swan boat, completely destroyed it, took up like a whole cav- cavern in the cave and the, the hallway. Oh, wow. It stopped the ball's forward projection, and we all just jumped on the other side, but it pretty much tore up her swan boat. Oh, wow. So I was going to say something I like to add to my uh my my magnet traps or my metal traps is like have a rust monster somewhere nearby or okay, yeah. or you create like trap doors where people are like ooh the armory's right over this way but it's like anyone who actually like you know goes there knows don't go that way go through everything else like 
go through the barracks full of people and stuff like that. The only thing if you go that way is a trap door that leads down to the rust monster and Ognot that we like throw garbage at. <laughs> yeah, so so what I was kind of thinking is like uh, a teleporter trap Ooh. that teleports rust monsters in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of it more like a garbage chute that, like, you know, the, the, the PC would be like, oh, cool, this is a way to get down here. It's like, oh, it's, it, you know, it's definitely a dedicated, like, slide system of some sort, and it's just, like, the garbage chute. But, you know, the PC's not going to know that because they don't work or, there. <laughs> or a dumbwaiter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, something like that where you just, like, throw refuge into and it's like the uh rust monster and the ognot or any like gelatinous cubes or anything like that because i'm sure a, a rust monster's smart enough to get out of a gelatinous cubes way hopefully or, hopefully yeah <laughs> otherwise that could that could be something else interesting within itself so <laughs> yes yes it could and that goes back to your your dungeon's uh, biosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, what else? There's, there's like, oh, goodness. I always feel like there's some sort of, like, uh, magical things that you can cast spells on that cast spells out to people. Like, some sort of, like, oh, man, I believe it was in the Underdark, there was some sort of statue that would cast Chain Lightning, um, I also remember, like... Oh, I've seen ones that cast uh, prismatic spheres. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember there's, like, the teeter-totter in the Tomb of Horrors that when you get to a certain point, it just dumps you into, like, a fiery pit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, like, things with undead so that, you know, you're more than likely gonna leave the dungeon with mummy rot kind of stuff i always feel is is a popular one just like where rats hang out in dungeons like you can populate your dungeon with like people who have decided you know what this is out of the way and as long as we don't go over here and we just do our stuff over here we're safe like you can populate your dungeons uh with like bio traps with like groups of creatures like, uh, I don't know, maybe you have, like, a sunken palace and Kautoa have decided to set up shop there. Um, or you any... know, I don't think people think of this as a trap, but absolutely is. Cursed items. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely cursed items are, are a trap. Like, something that I think of as, like, a classic trap is a cursed item, something that's, like, negative four to hit that you just can't, like, won't leave your inventory <laughs> and then of course the classic monster that is a trap would be the mimic yeah oh goodness yeah yeah no you can definitely have mimics in dungeons that you can have like gigantic huge mimics to like make you think that you're safe somewhere to as small as like you know a music box that just like bites your finger but, I mean, that's kind of a small, tiny mimic. It's not really helping anyone, but just kind of maybe gives you a glimpse into what the dungeon might have in store for you. You know, just more of a st 
storytelling device and less of a trap with like a tiny mimic. But yeah, and, and it could be also be a, you know, maybe it's the baby mimic exactly, and the daddy mimic and the mommy mimic are somewhere around exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, you just found part of the brood. But yeah, no, no, no. And you can have like the ecology of something be a trap. What if um, all of the flora in the area has, you know, um, made the whole area just kind of toxic because of like the pollen that it spews out? Or, you know, you could you could uh, treat uh, water systems, uh, ecology uh, in that nature. Like, uh, what if it's just, like, kind of, like, a swampy, boggy area that someone keeps people at bay with, like, the crocodiles or basilisks or bog mummies or whatever? Just, like, using the area around you as a trap, you know, just... Or, or uh, underground river. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. As we talked about earlier... Traps are just kind of ways of getting rid of points to uh, waste waste potions to uh, <laughs> mess with your modifiers and slow you down so that you don't get to your goal too quickly. I mean, to or, add some... Or a distraction, a, and everybody's focusing on the trap, but the monsters come up behind you. Exactly, exactly, but... Uh, traps are distractions. Traps are a way to slow down the characters. Traps are also um, what I like to call part of the grind. If you could just like just start looking for traps, you know, it's like you can treat a TTRPG like a video game sometimes and just be like, I'm going to start looking for traps. I'm going to start disarming traps. How much experience do I get for that? And just be an experience grubber. But, you know, that's that's up to your DM if they're going to be like, okay, fine, you get experience for searching for obvious traps. And, and it also, it also, I think, depends on the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that used to be the way thieves got, you know, experience points. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think a lot of it depends on, on the game that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, definitely for sure. Um, I just keep thinking about like other puzzles and other traps that I've uh, ran across. Is there any puzzles or traps that you've ran across within D and D or anything else that you think have been noteworthy or? Uh... So we we had it was not it was a Cyberpunk twenty twenty game. Sure. And we were trying to basically break into this, you know, med tech's computer and database. Yeah. And he was kind of absent-minded. So he would put his code, you know, his password, but he didn't want to write password. So we had to find, like, you know, different things that he had hid and where he could see and look at it yeah. and put them in the right order. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel like I've done stuff like that in Shadowrun and Cyberpunk. Um, but people didn't get it, and people got blown up. <laughs> uh, Call of Cthulhu, I've had people, like, uh, like, like, uh, set up kind of like an auto-summoning kind of thing. 
like when someone walks into an area like something gets summoned it's like kind of like almost like a program spell and you know it's like oh if anyone walks into this area summon a bayaki it's like okay all right and it's like if anything you know goes past this area it's like the spell then goes off and whatever the spell is happens it's kind of like the same concept of like oh yeah if anyone walks in with this area uh, chain lightning or magic missiles is going to cast but it's like a summoning spell but that's something that i think is definitely doable in D&D. like if you walk into an area it uh causes like summon elementals to happen and then you have to deal with some fire elementals or fire creatures of some sort but yeah 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 no i, I um that, that 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 pretty much falls into like kind of like oh you walk into a room and it's full of undead or you, you walk into a room and it's full of earth elementals now but yeah <laughs> and, and i think a classic sort of poison yeah crap is from uh the book well the movie at least the name of the rose oh goodness where the book is poison yeah and of yeah. course you know again spoilers but the way you know you get around it is by wearing a glove correct correct yeah no what are uh i, I feel like there's there's uh, you don't even have to like oh man you don't even have to like you can make up names and come up with dc saves um I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's, you're coming up with a name and a constitution save is, and, and possibly side effects. And that's what poison is, is in D and D it's like, uh, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's a con 12 with, uh, I don't know, epilepsy for two days. I don't know. <laughs> um, that, that's true. And yeah, you can make po poisons don't necessarily have to be hit point damagers. Yeah. Uh, they could be hallucinogens. True, true. Yeah, I know. They can affect your wisdom. They can infect your charisma. They can affect your anything. It's, 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 it's what you want it to be. This is a fantasy game. You can do what you want. I mean, like, but generally it's, it's kind of a constitution save or uh, a wisdom save or something like that. It, it, you need to have some kind of save and then some kind of damage. So, it, yeah, it doesn't have to be hit point based. It could be uh, your dexterity's messed up for like four days because you were shot with his dart. And it's just going to take you that much time for it to get out of your system. Sorry, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, any 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 kind of poisons that you think are kind of uh, cool or insidious or so uh, a lot of it, I think the poisons. I mean, unless it's going to be a hallucinogen mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or or maybe a poison that prevents you from being healed. Sure. Um, that's another possibility. I think the big thing that makes poisons different. Is going to be um, delivering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are they delivered? Okay. And the classic, of course, is to put it on a blade or put it in a needle, but there's also you know, breath. There's a lot of different ways. Sure, yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. Something I think of is how noticeable is it? Is it something you can slip into food? Is it something that you could slip into a drink? Is it noticeable? Do you have to put it on a needle and shove it into someone's ear? Is it like, yeah, no, no. It's <laughs> how do you deliver the poison? And is it going to be, sorry, I've been watching a lot of uh, Crusader Kings 3 lately and people just killing off other people to topple governments but yeah uh crusader kings 3 not a paid subscription but yeah i mean not 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 a paid sponsor but yeah <laughs> and, and historically poison was the equalizer yeah historically you know in the middle ages it was weapons that women who had access to food could use definitely uh, so yeah no absolutely was a was an equalizer you didn't have to be this super strong buff guy to use a weapon. You could use something smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you just wanted to kill someone without other people knowing that you were killing someone, mm -hmm. there's poison. And there's also gases. And we're talking about D&D. &D. We're not talking about in real life real people. Life, no. Yeah, no. Don't poison people. Don't kill people. Don't build traps. This is... Don't travel, time travel back to, you know, uh, the Middle Ages. Yeah. Yeah. Don't build, don't, don't travel, time travel back to the Middle Ages and create a dungeon with full of pit traps and gas traps, please. We, 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 we beg of you. But, um, yeah, gas traps, that's, that's one, like gas and like, uh, liquid traps, like mm -hmm. a room filling up with water or a room filling up with gas. I mean, those, those, those are just equally as intimidating as you know spiked walls coming in on you, um, or or a pit trap for that 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 notion. I mean, a gas trap where you have to like figure out how to undo the trap before you get out of the room. You have to start doing some like I don't know. Uh, wisdom checks or intelligence checks to see if you could figure out how to turn it off <laughs> i remember when in dungeons and dragons you had to say i'm looking under the bench and you looked under the bench and then you found the 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 handle that turned off the the gas <laughs> yeah and you know that's a very sort of i think a really good is you know an advanced scientific society may not know how to use primitive things and a sure. primitive society may not know how to use advanced things. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no, no. And, and you can like make it as clever and devious or you can make it as simple as like, Oh, when I, when we lifted up the bench, water came out. If we close the bench and put our weight on it, the water will stop. Or, Oh, um, gas released once we, like, tried to, like, mess with these bars over here. Um, maybe if we stop messing with the bars, the gas will stop. Or maybe we just need to figure out a way to get up higher than the gas. I don't know. <laughs> I feel Fallout 3 handled, like, stuck-in-a-room gas trap really well with uh, one of their DLCs where you pretty much have to, like... 
um, a gas trap goes off and you can't break out of the room, but you can figure out how to get up higher and higher and higher. You can turn the gas off if you're smart enough. You can do certain things if you're smart enough. But the best way to do it is just to get higher and higher and higher and get the hell out of the room. Uh, yeah, uh, point, ple uh, point Pleasant? No, I, I can't remember. Anyway, um, this is... Point the Pleasant where the Mothman is? No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, no, no. It's it's Point Lookout. Point Pleasant yeah. is in Fallout 76. And was one... It's also in West Virginia. Yes, and in real life, it's in West Virginia where Fallout 76 takes place. Oh. And it was one of the coolest parts about Fallout 76, but then it just... Anyway... We don't talk about Fallout 76 anymore. You can okay. check out the old episode about Fallout 76. Anyway, so we just uh, reached the uh, one hour mark there, Dave. Um, any other traps you can think of before we uh, head out into the good night? Well, no. I am trapped out. All right. Uh, hey, everyone. We're trapped out, so... Thank you so much for listening. Uh, any and anything we've got coming up soon, Dave? Well, just uh, we've got uh, you know, of course, the holidays coming up. Sure, yeah. We'll try to get maybe some specials here. We've got a lot of good interviews lined up. Oh, in cool. The can. So, uh, got a lot coming out. Cool, cool. Maybe we'll figure out a holiday special for Halloween, but I don't know. Well, we'll, 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 figure we'll it be out. covering we'll be covering uh, the MCU holiday special. Uh, uh, werewolf by night yeah 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 actually i i just realized this is probably coming out at halloween. Coming out day or two before halloween <laughs> yeah probably. yeah yeah all right so this is our halloween special everyone thank you so much for listening have a spooky halloween a safe and spooky halloween uh if you're dressing your goats up make sure that there's there's some uh, uh enough light around so they can walk around safely and do the same for your kids. Um, that was that was a joke for goats and kids. Ah, uh, well, thank you. Oh no, no, I wasn't telling you, Dave. I assumed you got it. I was telling the audience out there. But yeah, no. Yes, I got it because I have a quick mind, <laughs> an agile mind. But yeah, we're uh, we'll be doing tours down at the uh, cemetery all Halloween. And also, there's uh, cider, hot cider over at Oblivion's, if you want to check that out. They've got hot cider and hard cider, and hot hard cider. So, yeah, check that out. And you can check us out at pgttcm.com, and pg at pgttcm, all across the interwebs. So, social media... That's us on YouTube, that's us on Facebook, that's us on Twitter, that's us on Instagram. So, check us out, pgttcm.com, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Alright, uh, music as always is by D.B. Spitzer, and uh, Dave's part is edited by Dave, and the rest is edited by me, D.B. Spitzer. We will see you next time. Uh, anything else you say you want to say before we take off? We'll see you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Can you say bye, Dave? Oh, goodbye. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good episode. Yeah.